0: and welcome back to Naturally Adventurous. This is Charlie. Today I'm delighted to welcome back someone that needs no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. Good friend of mine, boss, world traveler, all-around nice guy, Keith Barnes. Welcome back to the show, Keith.
1: Thanks, Charlie. Great to be adventurous again.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and um, I've I've got you on especially for a couple of reasons. One is to uh, quell my curiosity a little bit. Um, I've been penciled in as leading a tour next year to Kazakhstan and another couple of the Stans, uh, the Central Asian Republics, and I know almost nothing of them, so uh, I figured I would quiz you about these places and uh yeah it should be quite an interesting chat um know very very little about them so yeah to the, on today's episode we're gonna chat about kazakhstan and uzbekistan and maybe a little bit about um about kyrgyzstan i haven't been anywhere near this this is like one of my big gaps if i look at a world map of all the places i've been this is like a huge gaping hole for me so um and i guess it is for a lot of people as well but i've been hearing stuff about Kazakhstan for a few years, it's become quite a popular birding destination
1: yeah Charlie I think um I think you're exactly the same as everybody else. Nobody really knows much about the stans, but anything that ends in stan is kind of immediately puts people's um, sort of uh, alert. Monitors on for like, woo, is this kind of out of my comfort zone? Is this dangerous? Is this, <laughs> you know, it, as soon as you just put those last four letters on the country name, it becomes something of concern. And one amazing thing about the place is just how diverse it is. It's also huge. Kazakhstan is like the fifth largest country on the planet. Um, and it's, wow. it's really quite amazingly diverse and culturally these places are fascinating because You know, they were sort of the hotbed of where the Mongols were moving through during their giant conquest. And then the sort of when the the Turkestan people sort of came into being the Turk Mongol folks and the Persians, they pushed back. And so they've had these influences of these divergent but super conquesting cultures over the years. And then the backdrop of being in the middle of the Great Plains of Asia of fantastic places for migration and what have you. So also Uzbekistan has got the most, banana and the most incredible antiquities I've ever seen in my life. So it really is wow. an amazing place um, or amazing set of countries. And yeah, very much under the radar and incredibly cool to travel in. So it's like a real wild experience, but also a super cool cultural experience.
0: I think at the last Olympics, there were some athletes from Kazakhstan, and i was looking at them and they look so asian you know when i think of central asia i'm thinking like it being closer to europe you know ethnically but then having seen a little bit you do see some people that i mean they could pass for japanese or mongolian or whatever and then there's some other people with like lighter eyes and you know um so it's it, it like you said i guess there's a, a there's a bit of a mix of um of sort of ethnicity there
1: yeah, no for sure. And um well, what, what, what did they say? Uh, something like uh, 20% of the people on the planet are descendants of Genghis Khan. Well, they're all in Kazakhstan. <laughs> right. uh, well, yeah, no they are very Asian uh, out there, but then there are also like the Turkish the Turkish elements. Um so Uzbekistan right. feels a little bit more European in terms of the way folks look, but uh, Kazakhstan is definitely very very Asian, yeah.
0: Anyway, just kind of go through the places. So I guess you went there, you did a tour there for tropical birding pre-COVID, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, I think 2017.
0: So it's been a little bit of time. Hope your memory's still fresh. Yeah, we're going to sort of go through the itinerary sort of chronologically, and I'll, I'll just quiz you a little bit. I've been looking at some pictures of some of the places, and it just looks absolutely amazing. But I guess the tour, the Kazakhstan main tour starts in the city of Almaty, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's, um, what's really interesting is the contrast between Almaty and Astana. Uh, you barely believe they were in the same country when you visit these two places. The one is the product of being the president's hometown and what have you. And he's developed it perfectly. <laughs> and Almaty is like this, still very interesting and, and still got quite some, some nice fine edges, but it just feels very much like a traditional old town, old Asian city. Um, so Almaty is right on at the foothills of the Tian Shan Mountains. Uh, but also you quickly, uh, move into some very, very barren country. And those are the two places you'll have the mod cons and sophistication. And everywhere else is just wild.
0: Ah, interesting. I, I was watching some like vloggers and stuff doing like little mini travel documentaries on YouTube and stuff. And they were showing footage from Almaty. And these like super modern buses, I mean, they look like London buses, you know, these uh, like the really modern ones, you know, and the, all the streets look pretty modern. I was quite, so it wasn't quite what I was expecting.
1: Yeah. um, You know, there's been quite a lot of, uh since the Soviets, there's been a lot of oil money in Kazakhstan. Uh, and and uh, I think the country has put it to good use, you know, I mean, it's a... Uh, Still a pretty interesting country when it comes to sort of the sense of development. It's it's kind of weird when you sort of, (laughs) when I went into the, into the country, they, I needed to get a landing visa. So I was in a different queue to everybody else. And then the dude who was issuing the landing visas had gone to lunch. So they processed everybody, and then they locked me into this container and switched the lights off, which which was very encouraging. <laughs> this, this left me in the pitch dark. Um, and I was like, I hope they remember I'm here, because if they don't. <laughs> um, and, of course, the guy sort of showed up 20 minutes later was super nice super kind uh, super efficient oh, and spoke spe- speaking perfect English you know and everybody else was like uh, yeah, the big Russian hats and what have you so so there's still some funny edges to it but it's kind of like this um, old Soviet Republic that's been dragged kicking and screaming into the the modern world uh, with all of its mod cons and yeah the the cities have got some great public transport and other facilities so it really is quite interesting.
0: What's the sort of general feel of it when you get? There? Do, do you feel like, you know, if, if I think of a just a Stan, you know, a generic Stan, you, you just imagine that people are watching you, and and you know, you have got some sort of dictator. And it, does it feel quite sort of modern and, and free? Do you feel like free to just wander around, and do stuff, or is it kind of controlled?
1: No, the people there. I mean, it's really kind of weird. It's it's like this mishmash, right? So you you essentially got the structure of government. Which I guess still kind of looks and feels a little bit Soviet, but then you got people, uh, the the folks in the towns, all walking around, going to DKNY stores and carrying Gucci bags, (laughs) and you know, (laughs) listening to the whatever the Spice Girls or or what what is it the Korean uh, sort of pop bands these days and stuff like that. So the youngsters have really brought it a long way. But yeah, when you look at the kind that the kind of government structures are still they still feel like, they're, like they've like they been dragged along. Let's put it that
0: way. Let's kind of leave Almaty. And um, one of the first spots on the toy I see is called the Charin Canyon. Mm. And I've looked at a picture of it, and it's a pretty remarkable-looking place. It's like these kind of um, eroded little canyons, uh, little these red-layered rocks. It looks quite a cool spot
1: yeah so um the Sharon Canyon's a really, really interesting sort of place. You sort of cross these amazing plains, and you know, I mean, I think Kazakhstan most for me, feels like Mongolia. It's got a very Mongolian type feeling. I mean it really is sort of just the western fringes of the same steppe country that you you're finding in Mongolia, but then all of a sudden you come across this canyon that's been carved out of what. Looks like sandstone. I think it's sandstone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it's very Arizona vibe to it. And you're starting to see things like, uh, little gerbils and jerds and things like that as, uh, as the country starts to get drier. And another thing you, you do out here is you try and find sort of little artisanal wells and you stake them right. out. So uh, and you'll wait for either migrant birds. I mean, one of the cool things during migration is you, you're sitting on this sort of treeless step. But if you find four poplar trees together, uh, you're going to find <laughs> something in there. I mean, it's quite remarkable. So, um, yeah, you look for the little water holes and you're hoping either some of the sort of more dry country desert birds are coming in to drink. Or some of the migrants passing through need a bit of water or else you find little patches of woodland and stuff like that. And it's remarkable uh, what pops in there as it's uh, crossing these massive plains to get north to the boreal woodlands to breed.
0: Oh, that sounds cool. And uh, there was quite a lot of raptors and stuff mentioned for this area. Is it, is it a good spot for raptors? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you know, so the cliffs are great for breeding birds and, you know, things like upland buzzards and uh, kestrels and falcons and things like that are, are pretty, pretty common in this zone. Um, but you know, you do tend to get quite a lot of those right across Kazakhstan and, uh, the stands because they're just, uh, good countries for mammals and good, good countries for raptors in general.
0: And so this Taran Canyon, I guess, is, is quite close to this, uh, Sogeti Valley.
1: Just yeah.
0: More kind of open area.
1: Yeah. The Sogeti Valley has a good zone for palace of sandgrass and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but also it's got this sort of small shrubby type, almost like the Karoo or like the, um, uh, what do we call it in Australia when they, there's little shrubs, the chenopods, you know, small Great. scrubby shrubs, uh, that'll have, uh, white throats and desert warblers and things like that in it. So that's quite a neat zone. And again, you'll be spending a little bit of time at the uh, the watering holes to see what comes in there.
0: Where are you staying? Are you staying in a town there or are you are sort of in the middle of nowhere or what's it kind of accommodation-like?
1: Um, so uh, the Kazakh st- side of the tour is a mix and match of sort of the sorts of accommodation. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of it's a little bit rough around the edges, as you can imagine, for a former Soviet Republic. <laughs> they, haven't even, they haven't sort of gone mainstream tourism. And once you leave the big cities... Um, you have very limited choices as to where you stay. And what the ground agent does really, really nicely is they, they mix it up. There's a a little bit later on in the itinerary. We'll talk about the, the jurors, which are like those Mongol type huts that you stay in. And they've got a camp right on the edge of the desert. And that's really, really a fun experience. But down in Sharon and the, and the Sogti, you're staying at a, at a homestay. Um, and this can be really, really quite, Different, you know, you're not gonna get a standard room. It's basically you staying in someone's enlarged house and some people will get right this kind of room and somebody else. We just have to mix and match and, and be open and right. flexible as to where we where we're gonna sleep and what we're gonna do. Um but it's really quite fun because the people love having business. Culturally
0: it must be pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, it is fun because you're actually really staying yeah. in a home of some relatively rural Kazakh person. Um and of yeah. course at some stage they're gonna bring out the vodka. And uh, you're gonna <laughs> really? you, you're gonna need to either p- be very firm in in saying no, or else you may have to <laughs> dance or something to placate them, so that you don't have to have a,
0: have a shot. <laughs> I
1: think at this place, I think at this place, uh, start practicing we were, we're, my we're,
0: dancing. Then I guess, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. We, we were very fortunate in that one of the participants thought this dancing was a was a great uh, a great activity. And so she ended up dancing right. with the host for a good hour or so, which meant that the rest of us got away with keeping our heads down and not getting too involved. <laughs> so that was that was quite fun.
0: Yeah, You took on for the team. Yeah, right. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, let, let's move on. The the next part on the itinerary was the the, um, the sort of Chenshan Mountains, and I, and I know that this was a change from when you did it. I think it was in in Kazakhstan, but now the the uh, the tour actually goes into another country, New Kyrgyzstan, country. Yeah. which is pretty cool to get another another country tick.
1: Yeah, so I haven't done the Tian Shan in Kyrgyzstan, but I have done the same set of mountains right on the Kazakh border. The reason for the change is just that the birding is better and easier on the Kyrgyzstan side, so that's why we've we've made the change. But it is absolutely gobsmackingly spectacular. It, it's yeah. kind of very Himalayas esque, as you know. The thing is, is everybody thinks that the Himalayas, the only uh, you know, or tends to think that the Himalayas is the grand mountain chain of Asia, which it of course yeah. is. But um, there are many, many, many cool mountains in Asia. Whether it's across on the Mongol side, or you know, all the way to Taiwan, we know we've got some great mountains in Taiwan, and this is another one of the sort yep. of great mountain ranges of Asia. What makes it really quite fun is it's a more temperate version of things. So when you're in right. the in the lower valleys, you're kind of in this dry scrub. And then, as you go up the you know you'll you'll start seeing things like blue whistling thrush, and then, as you go a little bit further up, it'll be gray wagtails on the rivers and then, as you go a little bit further up into the sort of more meadowy type stuff, you start seeing fire fronted serins and these sorts of things, and then eventually you sort of get above tree line and you you start seeing you know Himalayan ruby throats and eversman's red starts will will be hanging out in the in the um in the coniferous woodlands and things like that. And then you get right up the top and eventually you're in, you know, black-throated accent or country, mountain finches. Um, and of course, uh, the great snowcocks and things like that. So yeah.
0: it's wow. just,
1: it's just really, really, I mean, they're tall mountains and you can, you know, you start seeing things like marmots out there. I wouldn't say it's a, a huge <laughs> variety of mammals because unfortunately they uh-huh. are hunted quite extensively in places like Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. But there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff and some amazingly cool scenery. Oh, the other major um, highlight is, of course, the White-browed Tit-warbler. This very, very strange, yeah. pastely coloured <laughs> bird. That's like it's really weird when you see that thing. You're like, a bird shouldn't shouldn't have plumage like this, you know? It's like
0: this. Um, yeah. We saw that in Sichuan, I think. So I guess there's a bit of a overlap there.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, there is a bit of overlap with uh, with parts of yeah. China, um, and even even as far as Mongolia. But uh, but then there's also the specialties, you know, things like fire-fronted serin are not that side, um, and there's a few oh. other goodies. Edmund's red starts not that side. Altai accentor is very very difficult.
0: It seems to be a bit of a crossover zone. I mean, you get some species more in Europe and more, some more in Asia. And if you take like the, I think the dippers, you said that it's one of the few places where the two species of dipper coexist.
1: Right, it's a real crossroads, you know. So it is like this mm. real crossroads between far eastern. European type birds and then the far western Asian type stuff. And that's also what makes it so cool. Mm. Um, and also doing it right during the middle of migration adds that uh, element of diversity and fun to it. But yeah, the Altai mountains are absolutely fantastic. You know, fortunately you, you, it's not one of these places where you're in deep forest all the time. So you get to enjoy the open mountain air and the scenery. And, and most birds tend to give themselves up quite easily. So it's a nice, uh, uh-huh. a nice place. The one, oh, the one other main reason for heading to Kyrgyzstan is that the Ibis bill became incredibly difficult on the Kazakhstan side. So I think heading over to Kyrgyzstan gives you much greater chances at getting Ibis bill, which is obviously
0: a yeah a big a target, big, uh, big target for yeah. people, yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay, let's fast forward a little bit to another main destination on the tour, which is the Talcum Desert. Yeah. Um, and this is where you were, you were mentioning the, uh, you call them yurts or are you pronouncing it differently?
1: So yurts are the Mongol word, I believe, and jurs uh-huh. are the kind of, jers. um, okay. jers are the Russian version of the word. I can't remember, okay. I can't remember what we call them in Kazakhstan, but they're the exact same thing. You know, it's this big mobile erected tent, which is amazing. You know, you sort of think, oh, we're going to be camping. Well, you get inside some of these things and, you know, there's fully erected beds. There's a, sometimes they have a sink. They sometimes have a fireplace right. with a stove and an oven and a, they're, they're awful. <laughs> the only difference is that you're in somebody's house. It's just that, the, that there's a ground instead of tiles, you know. It's, so, right. um, and what is really, really amazing is, you know, sometimes these places are famous for the wind. And how, how warm and comfortable you can be in there. The the fun thing, Charlie, is you, you drive around and you, and you see these yurts and it's like, wow, the, the nomadic Mongols are, are out here on the plains. And then you see the, um, the satellite dishes attached and they, satellite dishes. they yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they're watching, you know, Brazil play Germany in the, in the world Cup. premiership. Like, well, yeah. you know, some premiership football or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's quite <laughs> remarkable. And then of course, when you fold up the, the whole tent, it's, it's quite a palaver, you know. So, so these things will go on the okay. back of a giant flatbed truck and off they drive into the desert to set it up somewhere else. Um, and I think, uh, down in the Talcum. They set this camp up for three, four months. So it's not, it's a semi permanent structure, as it were. Right. And yeah, it's, it's a great fun experience and they do an excellent job with the food. Um, you know, it's not like you, you have any hardship out there.
0: We haven't touched on that yet, but what was the food like? Um, so far was it, a well, difference from place to place?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what was really fun is that I found the food very different between Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. Uh Kazakhstan they kind of like their kebabs and they they like their it felt like a a little bit more of a a place where a vegetarian might struggle a
0: little bit which one the the Kazakhstan Kazakhstan yeah
1: yeah they 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 seemed much more um it seemed a lot more like Mongolia where it was like meat Meat. a little bit of salad some potatoes bit of pasta so a little bit sort of um again Asian you know yeah noodles weren't unheard of and Noodly. and uh right. and do they yeah. eat rice
0: What i mean what's their what's their sort of staple yeah rice yeah i
1: think rice was the staple out there right. I, I can't remember yeah. i'm, I'm racking my brains a little bit but then of course when you when you get to Uzbekistan, it's very it's much more middle eastern so there you'd be getting that's a uh, that's a vegetarian's um dream you know is it is. Yeah, yeah you got sort of olive leaf stuff okay. you got hummus you've got um, oh like a God. baba ganoush. You, you've got all that stuff that you typically associate with Lebanese cuisine. Uh, and those things are all huge out there. Olives and, um, you know, Turkish type stuff. So it's, so it's a lot more Turkish right. influenced, say, than, than Kazakhstan, which is more Mongol influenced. But the food was overall quite good.
0: You did Uzbekistan second, but I think, uh, I think next year we're going to be doing Uzbekistan first. So maybe right. I just need to absolutely pig out for the first week. <laughs>
1: don't worry you'll survive go on ahead, you'll survive ahead. on noodles mate. there's plenty of instant noodles or just pocket guys. a whole load of <laughs> yeah, olives that's it that's it yeah <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, bring, yeah
0: that's what snacks
1: that's the way i do it but the, the food in uzbekistan was absolutely mind-blowingly good but i really really like that that style of meze platter middle eastern food you know that's yeah, my yeah. that's my idea I, I always said um the two places i feel that uh I could have been a vegetarian and one of them's India and the other one's definitely that sort of Middle Eastern mezze type stuff. I just, I just don't miss meat at all when I'm, when I'm getting that good stuff. So yeah, but at this camp, they do a great job of looking after us. I remember them making these beautiful sort of, um, it's beautiful salads with a, with a kind of couscous or, or, something like that. Um, and so we, we ate very well on the trip, actually. And they, they do a great job of looking after mm. you at this camp. And it, it is very, very comfortable. And the other cool thing is you, you sort of in the desert, but there are these big lakes on the fringes of the desert, you know, so all of a sudden, uh, you, you got these like, um, massive spectacles of pelicans and greaves and, uh, ducks and migrant shorebirds moving through. And what's really cool. Is a lot of those birds that are coming through are definitely sort of 80, 90% in plumage. So you can start seeing cool things like, uh, stints or, or, um, you know, uh, curly sandpipers or something like that going into those bright, brick br- red colors yeah. and the breeding plumage and stuff like that. So that's, yeah. it's also really, and when you've seen them on the fringe of the desert, you know, that's really a kind of a, a fun experience too. It's weird, eh? And then the okay. other, the other cool thing, is um, there's good mammals around uh, the camp at the Talcum Desert. Yeah. So you can see Jaboas, which are these little like kangaroo rat things. Which, uh, Central Asia is famous for, you know, with these big sort of rabbity like ears and they, they bounce around on the yeah. ground. And I mean, it's unbelievable how quickly those things move. You know, they can, they can move yeah. 20 meters in about two and a half seconds. And it's, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, Usain Bolt wouldn't stand a chance if he was that tall. So, um, th- th- so there's some really, really cool stuff there. You can see foxes and, and, and other goodies on the, on the edge yeah. of the desert. So that's neat. And then you also do a day out where you go into this really, really weird habitat. The a kind of like Saxol.
0: Turanga forest? is it? Turanga
1: forest and the Saxol. So the first, Yay. the first one is this kind of weird shrub where you can look for things like Saxol sparrow. But the Turanga forest, yeah, is this weird, strange tree. It's kind of like a, yeah, you know, this gnarly, weird, odd, uh, type of habitat, which is really fun from, uh, from us and our sort of habitats of the world perspective. But what's really cool mm-hmm. is that it's got this whole collection of birds that you can't find anywhere else. So, uh, uh, Turkestan tit, white-winged woodpecker, it's the best place to look for the Eversmans pigeon and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's really quite neat. And then, of course, those, that weird woodland does tend to attract your more foresty type of, of migrants. You know, so things that might not occur around a little artesian well will will pop up there. So, yeah, that's a really really weird and fun thing. And uh, also, uh, Caspian plovers is one of your main sort of targets out there on the uh, on the open steppe. And uh, hopefully, you find them breeding. I mean, gorgeous birds in breeding plumage. With this is fabulous brick red chestnut breasts gleaming in the in the uh, on the <laughs> open plains. So so yeah. So there's lots of cool things
0: to be looking for. So it seems from there, it's back to Almaty, and then from Almaty to Astana, you take a short flight, right? Yeah, this is another
1: thing we did not do on our trip before, but I think it saves a fair bit of time. You know, like I said, it's a big, right. it's a big country, so yeah, yeah. getting the flight in, I think, means you spend uh, quite a bit more time birding and a little bit less time uh, sitting in a bus going from A to B. But yeah, Astana is just uh, bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, it's one of these places where we ended up actually having the opportunity because we clean up the birds nice and easy to spend a little bit of time in the city. But it's it's literally like like something out of Hunger Games. You know, the the president has built this weird futuristic complex of yeah, I, I mean I, I just don't know how to describe it, but it sort of comes out of nowhere and yeah, is just strange and gorgeous and modern and spectacular with these, and it's also kitsch. That's the other thing. So it's got these gleaming golden buildings next to these giant turrets and spires and spikes. I mean, it's not. There's nothing sort of classically beautiful about Astana, but it is. You know, the giant golden eagles sitting on giant poles. It's yeah, it's something out like Hunger <laughs> Games. It's well worth seeing. Just. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. I think CNN labeled it the world's weirdest capital. And I think I'm inclined to agree really? with them. So yeah, yeah. So that's really, really oh, fun. Great. Yeah, it does. It is great. <laughs> and then, and then what's you right in the northern steps there? So you get a bit of time to get out and spend time looking for particularly three really special birds. Two of which are my favorite family, as you know, the larks. But I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> I know people get bored with larks, but these are two really top draw cool. larks that you're looking for. Black lark, which is black, right? Yeah, yeah. The black lark, which is just this jet black lark out on these white wispy plains. And they're big chunky birds too, which makes them fun. And then white winged lark has really yeah. got this really, really neat wing patterns, got this giant white wing patches in uh, when it flies and takes off. And they're really, really neat. So those are normally quite easy. And then the bird that's tough and getting increasingly more difficult to find is the sociable lapwing, which is yeah. this uh, very, very gregarious shorebird um, that sort of winters kind of, you know, between Gujarat and the Middle East, And then it breeds on the, the plains to the north and, and you tend to find them on the move when you're going through, uh, this part of Kazakhstan. And yeah. And then again, you've got a bunch of migrants that you're looking for, a bunch of water birds and you're seeing, you know, you see different stuff up here. So, uh,
0: things like perhaps. What's a habitat like? I mean, it's kind of open. It's grassland. But like lots of water.
1: Yeah. I would say it's mostly just, um, Open grassland, wherever you're looking and you, you're seeing cool things like, uh, montagues and pallid harriers quartering over the grasses right. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, I mean, it's kind of fun The the birds that we're familiar with from Africa and their wintering grounds, you know, a lot of them are, are breeding yeah. their black wing pratt and <laughs> in breeding plumage, which is really, really neat.
0: Funny, eh? yeah. yeah.
1: And then, um, demoiselle cranes, another one. Uh, so that stuff. And then you, you seek out the wetlands because, you know, who doesn't want to see palaces? Gull in breeding plumage. I mean, it's one of the world's largest yeah, gulls yeah. and it's certainly one of the world's best looking gulls. And of course, you know, every time you can pop in and, and see a whole bunch of cool breeding water birds, it's great. You know, you, redneck grebes and the eared grebes and the pelicans and white-headed ducks, they're all, all in uh, spanking breeding plumage. So it's, it's, really quite neat.
0: And this is all fairly close to Astana, is it? This, um, yeah, you do it as, you do it was... as a, day, as a day trip from Astana. Yeah. So,
1: right. Uh-huh. Not, not too far away.
0: Oh man, it sounds like a good, good end to a good end to a good trip.
1: Yes, yeah, no, it, it is, it is a, a fun, yeah. a fun way to finish off. Uh, there's certainly some really, really cool marquee birds out there.
0: Cool. We wanted to have a little bit of time to chat about Uzbekistan as well. So yeah. um, I know you've been, you've been raving about this. So uh, you did this uh, at the end of the main tour, I think, on on that one. But next year we're doing it um, beforehand. But uh, yeah, Uzbekistan is a, it's a, it's a very different feel to it, I guess, from Kazakhstan.
1: Yeah, I would um so Uzbekistan from a sort of natural history perspective may not feel that different. You sort of
0: Mm.
1: mess around in uh when you go to the Chimgan Hills outside of Tashkent, you know, that that's a little bit different, but it sort of feels a bit like the Tian Shan. And then the the desert sort of feels similar, but the, the people are very, very different. The culture is very, very different. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure is very, very different. The antiquities are what really kind of blow you away in the place. So Tashkent is again, quite a strange modern city. Um, right. but yeah, I've, I've told you guys a little bit about the food. Uh, the, the one thing mm-hmm. we did in, on our tour was we, we did this beforehand, but also our tour was a little bit later. And, um, I think on your trip, you're going to have a much better experience from a migration perspective, but then also going to Uzbekistan a bit earlier, you'll escape much of the intense heat that we had to experience. So oh, for us, okay. uh, after about nine o'clock in the morning, it would be close to 40 degrees Celsius. And it yeah. was, it was uh. pretty oppressive. And the, the Uzbekistan experience is really yeah. about a handful of really, really cool marquee birds. Which are not terribly difficult to get, but really, really you've got to soak up this absolutely incredible, uh, antiquities and culture.
0: What do you mean by antiquities? I mean, you like, I mean, the buildings, the buildings. Yeah.
1: So a place like the Registan is, I've been to the Taj Mahal about five times and I'm not going to (laughs) say the Taj Mahal isn't an incredible building. It is, but this is better. And they use this, really? maybe it's just because blue is my favorite color. I don't know. They, they, they use, <laughs> they use this beautiful set of blue and aquamarine mosaics to cover many of the mosque turrets and to cover the walls and stuff like that. And it's just gobsmackingly beautiful. The, the Registain is definitely better for me than the Taj Mahal. And it's bigger, more complicated. And then when you combine it with the fact that you understand that. So when Genghis Khan uh, was on his deathbed, he basically divided his empire amongst his four sons. And, you know, then you had the Golden Horde, the, the, I think they were called the Blue Horde and some other horde. Um, and, and then as those things splintered, it was really kind of interesting because. Because Kublai Khan ended up controlling China. But under the Mongol system, he was actually a very minor Mongol lord. So even though he ended up creating an entire Chinese dynasty himself, he was never really considered close to the structures of power within the Mongol kingdom empire. Uh, but Tamerlane or Timur, as he's known in Tashkent and Samarkand, you end up visiting his tomb and understanding a whole lot more about what Timur did and achieved. I mean, it's kind of weird because, you know, he's a national hero in Uzbekistan, and he should be. I mean, the Timurid kingdom sort of stretched, you know, was a giant, massive kingdom the size of Rome under him, including he was one of the first of those leaders to end up conquering Delhi and controlling part of India. And then, you know, all the way up through Central Asia to Turkey um and into through georgia and places like that um and although he was a hero to the uzbeks i mean the bloke was just absolutely bloodthirsty beyond all belief uh there was one time <laughs> where he had um he took a hundred thousand slaves and then he he realized that these slaves might cause some problems so he just had them all killed And you know, a hundred thousand slaves were just killed in a, in a few days um it was also a very very clever Warlord, I guess, is the way to, to call him. He had those the same skills that had come from his Mongol ancestors. But um, I mean, there was one famous story about uh, I think when he was in India, they they were trying to uh, they had this elephant army with uh, giant plates of metal over them and stuff like. That. And you can imagine, I mean, you know, it's all it's all good today when you've got a gun. But I mean, in those days, this thing was a dangerous sort of proposition. So all he did was he put all these hay bales on a bunch of camels. Set those alight and had the camels run at the elephants. had all turned around and squashed their army. So it was, <laughs> it's like kind of bizarre stuff, but this is what these guys got up to, you know? Um, and so these, this was his kingdom and Tashkent and Samarkand were his stomping grounds. And so this was his legacy left to Uzbekistan. And a lot of this stuff actually ended up declining, uh, was neglected after his death. And during the subsequent eras and a lot of it's been restored. Um, but yeah, beautiful buildings, stunning history, interesting stories about these people. And so, yeah, you know, if you like carpets and stuff like that, I think Bukhara's got the finest, some of the finest Persian carpets in the world and things like it.
0: It sounds quite a culture heavy birding tour a birding (laughs) extension. It it is. It's very culture
1: heavy and it's worth it because you're not going to miss, you're not going to miss anything by indulging in the culture. And like I say, very-
0: how does it work? Do you know, you go, know, obviously go birding in the morning, but then, you know, you, you when do you fit this culture stuff in? No, in the well, there's
1: whole days that are, uh, dedicated to culture. Right. And then there are days where you, you, know, the one day you want to head out really early in the morning and you want to get out to where the amazingly cool Pandas Ground J is in the desert, ah, yeah. in the Kazakhum Desert. K- yeah. And, and that, yeah. uh, you know, you get out there and you want to be out there early because, like I say, the heat gets up and in the right places it's not a terribly difficult bird to find i think and then it's a case of like okay we're done with this uh, let's head back to tashkent and yeah so you got two real full days of culture with the one morning of of birding for the pandas Granger. there's not a whole lot else out in that desert and then as you head back to Tashkent, that's just full birding those days. So you head out into the Chimgan Hills right. and you look for, it used to be called a yellow-breasted tit. It's this beautiful yellow-breasted form of azure yeah. tit and roof snake tit and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, morning's birding and then you're squeezing the culture when you can. So, but between Bukhara, Samarkand, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing places.
0: So the stands they're Muslim there's Muslim countries and there's Muslim countries, you know. I mean, what what sort of uh, level does it fit into? I mean, Malaysia and Saudi Arabia yeah. are pretty far removed along this yeah, spectrum. I would say
1: it's a much more, it's a much closer to Malaysian Islam than it is Saudi Islam. Then they, right. uh, people, especially in a place like Tashkent, uh, you're barely even aware of it. Uh, it's a big modern city. Right. Um, there's not a whole lot of, uh, Burkas and full blown, uh, long covering dresses. Women are quite open.
0: What do they normally wear? They would like headscarves yeah, or? Yeah, sort of
1: headscarf for, you know, or, you know and, yeah. and
0: I think there's quite a lot of people
1: in these places that are, are not Muslim and, and Kazakhstan can't remember per se, but I don't think it's very, it's very Islamic at all. So,
0: um. Do you hear a lot of call to prayer? Like in yeah. the, the mornings, you hear the bus sure. going off. At sure. Different times, you or? do.
1: You know, and it, yeah. especially mm-hmm. in places where you're close in the cities and stuff like that. So then it's.
0: It's quite atmospheric, really. It's actually quite a nice yeah, yeah. sound to listen to. You know, it kind of reminds you you're not, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, right. But I, yeah. But
1: it, people are very chill. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still, right. it's still pretty, pretty open and free. And um, yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I never ever felt like there was any risk that uh, that anything odd was going to happen or I might get challenged. I mean you just got to be respectful of course, you know, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't go out in my bikini. I don't really look that good in the bikini anyway, but you know, <laughs> you got to be respectful of these folk culture and make yeah. sure you don't do anything to upset them in that regard. But there's no you don't have to change your behavior or your uh the way you feel comfortable at all. For them, they they're quite comfortable knowing that you're a foreigner and that you're here to spend money, and they they love chatting to you too. It was really fun. Uh, Yvonne joined,
0: oh they did. That was actually my next question was, you know, how are you kind of received and what, what you know what people's overall attitude to foreigners?
1: It's quite interesting. If you go to Maggie Marsh, you'd struggle to interact with with some of the. Um, the women on the boardwalk who are of a particular religious persuasion, you know. So the Amish women wouldn't exactly come and have a chat to you about birding or what no, have you. No, strike up a yeah. conversation. Whereas in Uzbekistan, the women were yeah. quite keen to have a good long yak with us about where we were from, what we were doing, how we liked Uzbekistan, what food was our right. favorite, da-da-da-da-da. And what was interesting, I mean, you do know my wife, Yvonne, and she's very um gregarious <laughs> anyway.
0: Was she, was she, yeah, on she tour came to him?
1: Uzbekistan. I didn't, I didn't bring it to Kazakhstan, but I knew she would like Uzbekistan. So she came along to Uzbekistan and right. she basically would constantly have a a <laughs> gabble of about 50 women following her around chatting about all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're willing to engage, um, they love to have a good, jack. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, it was fun that like sometimes around some of the, um, the antiquities. You'll see folks who are getting their wedding photos done and stuff like that. And, you know, imagine, yeah. imagine if a, a bunch of, you know, tourists came up to you while you were getting married on the steps and started taking pictures of you getting married. You might get a bit upset. These people would love it. They would engage. Yeah. You know, you'd sort of say, right. hey, can we take some pictures? You're so beautiful. Your wife's so beautiful. And they'd be like, oh, of course you can. No, please. We'd love it. And then they'd come for selfies with you. And, you know, so the people, no, people are really. truly, truly cool um and again in in any of these places that haven't kind of been ruined by by tourists you get that kind of real personal vibe from the people and you feel that it's a very genuine thing so i would say uzbekistan kazakhstan and probably kyrgyzstan even though i haven't been there are very much like that
0: wow cool <laughs> keith i think we're gonna leave it there i've very much enjoyed this it's given me uh I think, you know, rather than just reading, you know, a website or, you know, looking at a video or something, having a, having a good little chat and asking some questions and stuff is uh, is great. It's a great way to find out about these places. So, yeah, another reason I wanted to get you on is because there are still spots available um, on the tour. So if anybody is uh, wants to know more, then, uh, yeah, get in touch with us, either me or uh, Tropical Burn directly to find out more about it. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get a few more people on the tour and uh and it just it looks amazing i just uh cannot wait yeah i don't think
1: anybody would regret doing this trip it's truly one of the the best trips i think i told you before the podcast charlie that i I think Uzbekistan yeah. is one of my favorite. Like, I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to get to 110 countries or something like that. I think Uzbekistan's wow. definitely in the top five, and it's a place I, I would, I would very much like to go really? back to. So I'm a little bit jealous you're going there, but but wow. somebody's got to go and uh, somebody's got to go and sell tours at Maggie <laughs> Marsh next year. So that's my lot. <laughs> oh, well, good luck. Good on you. <laughs> I'll take one for the team. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Take one for the team. Yeah, yeah. That's no, a great
0: place. Okay, we're going to play out with one of the birds that we mentioned today, which is uh, Panda's ground jay, one of the birds you look for in Uzbekistan. Um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our patrons especially. And Keith, thanks for joining me today. Cheers, man. Thanks, Charlie, for having me. See you all next time on Naturally Adventurous.